Welcome back to another episode of Itching to Scratch. Make sure you pack your bags for this one because we're flying all the way over to Aberdeen. Let's get into it. It's Itching to Scratch with me, Zach Tellert, and we are joined today by progressive and melodic house producer, as well as a big DJ. It's James ID. How are you doing, bro? I'm very good, my man. How are you? Yeah, really good, mate. Really, really good. Um, it's actually the first episode that, well, since the roadmap came out, so uh, we can get excited a bit about the light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. Don't know how much you... I know, I know in Scotland it might be a bit different, mate, so I don't know if you can... Um, enlighten me yeah to be honest man i don't think i don't really know either because i don't think we have a roadmap like england does you yeah. know how you guys have got i think it's end of june yeah yeah, yeah. um our <laughs> our first ministers basically just said that we're going to go back to tears okay yeah um she basically just said we don't know yet but we're going to try and slowly reverse everything like open things back up um backwards but there's not really a she's she didn't want to confirm to like the way the roadmap was with england and the, the end of june and all that right so she we don't know yeah. i'm assuming we'll follow england quite closely but um as it stands we've not been told anything about hospitality reopening so we might have to move down to england you know i suppose it's quite subjective to how the results are test results are and how the vaccine goes before those dates are actually locked in I suppose. Um, yeah. But, I mean, we can still get excited. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think, like, I'm still... The, the news of England opening up is exciting enough because I know I know we will be probably either on time with that or um, not far behind it. And so I'm still excited about the, the prospect of clubs opening because... Yeah, I, yeah. I can, like, I'm sure I'll be, I'll be able to get some work down south if not in Scotland. But yeah. I think, it, if anything, it's just a relief to, to know that things are kind of coming to an end. Do you know, like, we've not had any, like, an in, when the first lockdown happened, we didn't even get any bars playing live music or yeah. any restaurants or clubs. Like, we had nothing from the minute we shut down. So, like, when you guys reopened and you had, like, day parties and, and there was DJs playing in bars and all that, like, we never had none of that. We were never even allowed background music. So it's been, like, a year yeah, this week since my last gig and that wasn't even here it was abroad so oh god yeah um i think just that the prospect of even going back to it yeah it's been a long time man i think it's the longest i've ever went without playing a gig Definitely. since i started but i think just like the idea of that there is something going to happen like we are going to get back to it because you know we've went a whole year just not knowing at all when things will change and this is kind of it's good to be hopeful but i also don't want to get too excited in case in case it gets pulled back or pushed back even you know yeah where was that? Where was that gig last year? Uh, in Thailand, in Phuket. So oh, of course. That was yeah, like, yeah. that's where I was most of the winter, and then we they were kind of one of the later countries to shut. So when the UK was closing and like bars and restaurants were done, I was sitting there like watching the news, like Shit, I'm gonna have to come home. Mm. And it it was okay in Thailand. We didn't have many cases in that. And then yeah, yeah. within a day, within one day. It was like three or four days after lockdown in the UK. I know I don't know if we locked down, but it was it was going it bad. Was, yeah, bars had closed and all that. And um, I think the the, the Thai government uh, they were like considering closing just Bangkok, and I was way down south from Bangkok, so I wasn't even. I was like, ah, we're going to be fine. We're miles away. And within that morning, they decided to shut Jeez. the whole country down. And by the end of the day, bars were closed. So. In the morning, I'm like, ah, maybe Bangkok will close. And then by lunchtime, it was like everything 
closes today. So no, I do vaguely remember like <laughs> texting you and stuff, and you you've almost been stuck in Thailand essentially. Like all happened very quickly. Um, yeah. Well, the flights were being cancelled left, right, left, right, and centre, and a lot of my friends out, who lived out there were trying to get home, and tra- people I met traveling were trying to go home, and they weren't getting home. Yeah. And I, I was in that limbo of, do I just stay in Thailand and ride it out because it's only going to be a month? So we thought, and then I was like, maybe I could come home where it's like familiar. I should probably be home, but there's nothing open. I was like, Thailand will stay open. And then that day, everything just closed. So I was like, I better get out of here in case it's too late. I got, I managed to get a flight and it was canceled within like 12 hours. And then I managed to get another one a few days later and I came home. And it was one of those like nail biting moments because every flight was just being canceled. So you just didn't know. And I was running out of money to be booking all these flights because you're going to have to wait months to get money back. So I was like, I'll... I'll try one more, and I, luckily I got home. But, yeah. but it was pretty scary because it was like mm. it kind of felt like everything was ended. Do you know what I mean? Like because it was un- unfamiliar. Um, but yeah, I got home. Uh, so that was the last gig. It was mid March, I think, early March. Yeah. How was that Thailand as a whole as an experience? I suppose after what's happened since then, you'd go back there in a heartbeat. Cause it was... Yeah. Well, I would go back if there was if there was tourists <laughs> like if it was open of course but well no yeah of course um yeah it was amazing like i'd been before years ago but not to play so when i got the opportunity to do a residency i just uh, i said yeah straight away went down and um yeah i was there like five months before six months five six months before things closed so i got a good run but everything was amazing like people are just so so nice out there and like the weather obviously was amazing and the music scene was good. Like there was a lot of cool nights on, cool clubs. Right. So it was, do you know what? It was kind of like the perfect alternative to Ibiza yeah, season okay. because there were still loads of, like a lot of the nights like Circle Loco and that were, were putting on parties in Thailand in the winter. So it was kind of like finish Ibiza, go there and carry on the sort of momentum of, of being able to play good parties and all that. So now it was amazing, but. I would go back no, for sure. No, yeah, it looked amazing. It does look incredible out there. And um, say we can't go abroad, um, is there a base here or in in Scotland? Yeah, well, I mean, I, the the club in Aberdeen, Unit Fifty One, like that's the one I play most of my like big gigs at, and it's got to be one of the best clubs in the UK. Cool. Like it's quite new; it's only a few years old, but it's just this big underground tunnel. Um, Are you sure. It's really high, high ceiling, long underground yeah. granite tunnel. It's just like the perfect rave, rave place. Do you know what I mean? And um, it reminds me a lot of like the arches in Glasgow. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe if, is it Victoria Warehouse in Manchester? I went years ago. I can't remember. But yeah, it's just a wicked underground venue, man. So like, Sick. when things open back up, they've already started announcing some parties. So I'm hoping to to get back to gigging there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know you've played played with the the top of the top of the game uh, in that club as well. Yeah, I mean they've booked they booked some incredible names. Um, just off the top of my head, like we've had Camel Fat, Solardo, Danny Howard, Scream. Um, there's literally I, yeah. I'm running out of ideas already. There's so many. Um, the biggest ones for me there were definitely Camel Fat, Danny Howard, um, Solardo. I didn't play the Scream one, but yeah, I mean, it's, anyone that plays that venue, they always go away and they tweet about how amazing it is. And like, 
yeah, it's it's kind of already established itself as like a big name in right. in Scotland anyway. Yeah. So from someone from the outside looking in, I've never been to Aberdeen before, and you say that you know Unit Fifty One's a relatively new venue. What kind of clubs and venues did you start your journey with then? Uh, this is <laughs> you've got me thinking now. It was about twelve years ago. Yeah, fair enough. There was like your well, do you know what they had? Like we had all the the clubs that were like nationwide. So like you know Tiger Tiger and Liquid Oceana and all the yeah okay yeah yeah like you from, know them yeah they kind of chain chain nightclubs yeah so I I used to promote nightclubs in there and uh, promote events and parties and I always kind of dabbled in a bit of music production so I think that I, the next thing for me was to get into DJing and I used to see the DJ meet them speak to them and I used to kind of watch like. I watched how they play and they just had the crowd in the palm of their hand. So like, I'd be there just watching and I knew that whatever song he put on, he knew what he was doing because it got them going crazy. And then I used to think, oh, I want to do that. Like yeah. That kind of, that feeling of bringing people so much joy just by playing music. Like it's a pretty cool experience to, or a, pr a privilege, I guess, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. To have that much power over someone else's happiness. And I don't mean power in the sense of like, <laughs> power <laughs> but, but like yeah no, no. not like evil but like but i mean like that sort of yeah. the capability of making people's nights better or worse and it's in your hands it's a lot of responsibility i suppose but yeah. but that feeling of being able to bring people happiness i like that i like that idea of like mm. you could i mean you could just make them happy which is cool so i used to just ask him to, to, to teach me <laughs> like just ask to get on the decks even though i didn't really know what i was doing and <laughs> <laughs> obviously the answer was no because I didn't know what I was doing but yeah. I used to go in during because I worked in the nightclubs I could get in there during the day and I used to just practice on the equipment and I was rubbish man but I got better and then some some people I would ask for advice they would give me advice which was great and they would help me out yeah, yeah. Um, some other people wouldn't which like I understand if you want to keep cards close to your chest and, um, but yeah I just kept practicing during the day and then yeah I kind of got my way in the door because I worked for the club night. So I just said, let me play room two. I'll cover whoever's not working if they're sick. And I managed to cover a couple of people in the back room. And that was it. It just spiraled from that. Like I got my foot in the door essentially from, I guess it is, it's who you know. That is it, yeah. Just getting, being a face in and amongst it. It is who you know. Yeah, man. Yeah. But I made sure that like I had to get good. I wasn't very good. So I got in, practiced. Yeah, to be fair, though, you know, putting yourself into that uh, situation and throwing yourself in the deep end, even when you know you haven't got the skills, like that's almost, you know, credit to you because that's one way you're going to grow, isn't it? I think you kind of have to throw yourself in there. You can either go down the route of like learning by yourself and then or learning through courses and then yeah. take your first steps in. But like getting thrown into the deep end kind of worked yeah. because a lot of my beat matching and mixing, like, timing with transitions and stuff came from live, doing it live in front of people. Yeah. So I, there wasn't really much room to mess up. And when I did mess up, like it was awful, but <laughs> yeah, it, yeah. it wasn't often after a while. I, like You made sure you wouldn't do it, do it very often. <laughs> yeah. It's one of those, like when you do it once, you never do it again. <laughs> like I make sure yeah, not, yeah, yeah. but yeah, I just, I, I was lucky enough to pick it up quick. And I, I don't know if it's luck or not. I, like I did work hard, but I picked it up. And uh, I got better every club night, every week. And soon enough, I got to take in the main room. And then from there, it was, I had a bit of a, I could then say to yeah. other clubs and bars, like, here's my experience. I want to play here. 
and it just snowballed, man. I'm I'm persistent and I'm pushy, yeah. uh, in a sense of like I'm, I make an effort to yeah yeah, to get the opportunities. Do you know? Like you really have to put yourself out there, and I just kept asking if there was a gig coming up, or yeah, could nice. I get on to do the warm up, and that was it. It just snowballed that way. You said about production as well, so that was before you did DJing. Did they both progress naturally? And it's almost like how much yeah. eggs do you put in the production basket when DJing? Did you try and kind of balance that out? Or? Nah, see, I, you can't. I couldn't balance it at all. So I used to make music when I was in school, and it was very like, yeah. I didn't really understand what I was doing. So I would take samples. Mm. I knew that I could cut them up in like Audacity or some sort of program, throw it into FL Studio, and then I'd build a beat around it with like drum kits. But I didn't know enough about like keys, like music theory. I didn't know enough about like my levels and things. So I, I'd made hip hop beats in school. And then, mm. then I started, I kind of faded away from it just purely because I had a really old computer. Couldn't really afford a new one. And then when I went to, to work in nightclubs and I, I started going to uni, I got myself a decent laptop and I thought, right now I can start right. music production. But I didn't. I got into DJing first and then I had maybe a year or two of that and then got stuck in. I, I find that like I couldn't do the balance early because I was DJing a lot yeah. and I was at uni. And I thought it was always in the back of my head I wanted to do production. But yeah, yeah. The I think the stuff I learned as I was younger wasn't really that transferable. I had to start again. So yeah, uh, yeah, it was a couple of years, a couple of years of DJing first, and then I thought, right, now is the time to, if I want to make it, I really need to put the time in with the production. You know. Right. What did you study at uni? I did management with marketing. Oh, nice. This was purely because I was going in and out of career type jobs that I knew that wasn't for me. I didn't want to do it and. Music was always a thing I wanted to do. I really wanted to be a producer first. Yeah. And then I kind of fell in and out of jobs that weren't, like, it could have been really good careers, but mm. it, it just wasn't for me. And it was just something my, my the last job I got, kind of got let go from was basically, he <laughs> said, you don't want to do this. You should probably go back to study and figure out what you want to do. And I was right. like, yeah, you're probably right. But I knew yeah, I wanted yeah, to do yeah. music. But to me, it was like pipe dream kind of thing. So... I thought I better have something in case I never actually pull my finger out and make music. So I went to uni to do management with marketing and it worked with me because I worked in the nightclubs doing flyering and all that. Yeah, yeah. Um, after I got let go from like the decent job, I went back to nightclubs and, well, I say decent job, the career job. I went back to nightclubs to flyer and things like that, got into promoting and then I found that maybe I should do marketing. Yeah, yeah. And where was it you studied then? So. Where was the nightlife? And that was all in Aberdeen as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Always in Aberdeen. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. I grew up in Aberdeen. I went to school there, and then yeah, cool. When I was working in the clubs, I thought, well, I'll go to the the university here, and it was, it was good to be fair. Like I think I needed something to to actually work towards instead of just trying to do music and work in nightclubs. Like I wanted to just in case music never worked out, I wanted to have like a backup. Definitely. Yeah, and I'm interested in marketing and branding and all that, so I thought I'd, I'd get into it. Um, but saying that, as soon as I got into DJing like full time, I just scraped by uni, like a, yeah. <laughs> barely made the effort. Man, you know what? DJing till four in the morning and then going to uni for nine doesn't work. Yeah. So. Yeah. But I got I got my degree. I got an honors degree, and then. Good lad. Um. At least it, it was out of the way. Yeah. <laughs> now, yeah, transferable skills as well, like you mentioned. Yeah, I mean it's handy. Yeah, of course. I think like. The marketing aspect of it can, can come in handy, but I mean, saying that, that was nearly like. 
10 years ago I went to uni, so it's maybe not, not as transferable now. But no, it helped me, man. It was good just to have something to work towards just in case I didn't do music. Yeah, yeah, nice. Um, and then from after uni, then decide to go to Ibiza. When, what year was that? 2015. So after uni, I got a job for two years. I worked in the drinks industry and I was, I was like a, a business development rep. And um, I did. I only did that because it was like, don't rely on DJing just in case it all falls through. So get a real job. Well, I say real job, <laughs> worst thing to say. Get like a, a nine to five, just in case. I did it for nearly two years. And the whole time I was like, music is all I want to do. Like I really need to just yeah. commit. So I was actually going to go to Kavos to, to, nice. to DJ. I was just, I had an opportunity to DJ there. And I was almost all ready to go. I had the job offer and I told my friend, someone I'd met in Ibiza the year before, I'm considering that. And he said, nah, don't do that. Mm. If you want to do like what you're doing music-wise, come to Ibiza. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I was keen for Kavos, so I, I hadn't even been before, but he said, nah, Ibiza's where you want to make it if you're going to try and make it. So that was that. I changed my mind that day, um, right. quit my job, same day, booked a flight. And then just thought, let's just try and make it happen. Like he said, he would help me find some contacts and that. So, um, yeah, I just decided. So it was that was in 2014. And then I waited until the May um, to go for the season. So I'd already decided. I think I quit my job. I gave them like two months yeah. notice or something. And then, yeah, I went in the 2015. So it was a bit of a leap of faith. I man. suppose, yeah. When we, all of us, the DJs who have gone for their first season in IB for this kind of just a a leap of faith and just finding a, a, a crowd and a, you know, a team of people, basically. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you like, you could always ask people to help you find contacts and that, and but it's so difficult out there. Like, bless him, like Ryan, he tried to introduce me to the people he knew and, and help me find a place to stay and all that. And yeah, like, I'm, I was grateful for that because I know it would be hard not knowing anyone out there and just going. But um, even then, as soon as I got there, I had to just go and do it yeah, myself, yeah. try and network, try and find opportunities because he was doing the same for himself. And it's not, you can't just hand out, you can't, like we weren't in a, none of them was, no one was in a position just to hand out gigs. So we had to graft and it was just a case of going out on my own every morning. Oh, I say morning, every afternoon <laughs> yeah. to bars, clubs, restaurants, anywhere that looked like they would maybe have a DJ and just say, look, have you got any work? Um and that was the way you had to kind of do it to pick up. How did you come across like Booker Up and the boat parties that become a big part of the the season? Well, I, it was yeah, it's funny actually. So I put a remix out of Black Box right on time. Yeah, I know it's been done to death, but back in twenty thirteen <laughs> or fourteen, it hadn't been done to death as much. So I, I remixed it and put it out, and it just did really well on SoundCloud and. Then I went to Ibiza maybe just say a year later. So I was playing as a resident in Ibiza Rocks Bar and that was great. Like everything was going well there. And um, one of the Pucker Up residents, Lloyd, he um, he was the main resident at the time, I think. And he, I think he just walked past Ibiza Rocks Bar or something and he came in and he just said, um, I've been playing your remix. I don't know how we got speaking. It was... Very random. I think I was just DJing at the time. And he basically, he'd been playing my remix and he said, I love it. And I said, oh, I know who you are. Like, I've, right. I've heard about you. Um, mm -hmm. And he just said, why don't you come up onto the boat and come and hang? And then 
I was yeah. like, okay. So I went on the boat with him. And I think he was a resident in Ibiza Rocks Bar as well. Maybe that was how we met. But he was supporting my music before he met me. And then yeah. he brought me onto the, the boat and it was just wild. Like one of the best best atmospheres. And he played my remix. Everyone was going crazy and it was that was nice. So yeah. I think that was it. He brought me in and then the next time he brought me on to, to play before him, um, he introduced me to Josh and Zach and that. Um, yeah, yeah. And that was it. It was a case of just showing your face enough to try and gain an opportunity, you know. Um, and yeah, I think he, he brought me in and then I played quite a few times with him that year. And then the next year it was me asking Pucker Up if, if there was a residency slot, like I'd love to do it. Yeah. They picked me up and uh, that was 2016. So I've been resident for them four years. Yeah, where's your, what's your favourite venue to play at in IB? Oh. My favourite one to play regularly is Eden. Like, the club is incredible, right? My favourite probably one-off gig... Oh, actually, no, no, let me change that. Yeah, it is, it is Eden, because I love the venue, I love the sound system. I played in high once, and that was unbelievable. That was kind of like a bucket list yeah, kind of yeah. thing. Um, but then through Pucker Up, I played Amnesia loads. Definitely. And that, like, that's, that's probably... Actually, no, it's so hard to decide. Do you know what? They're all amazing, like... <laughs> They've all yeah. got their own qualities that I think I love, yeah. but I couldn't. I probably couldn't pick one now that I think about it. Because now that I think about playing in Amnesia, how good it was, I'm like, well, you know, yeah, they're all like yeah. bucket list venues for people yeah. like us to play. So I think, yeah, I, I, I can't decide. <laughs> um, you mentioned SoundCloud um, and getting a bit of buzz from that. How have you found that platform? Platforms in general, uh, like Spotify, SoundCloud, to distribute your music? I think in the beginning, SoundCloud was just so so good because of the reach you had and, like, the ability. I, th I still think it's amazing, like, you can just upload music so quick. And yeah. You can just release a song, like, within 30 seconds, do you know what I mean? And yeah, yeah, yeah. I and the, the algorithm in SoundCloud, I think, is pretty good for finding new music. And, yeah, like, I, I mean, first off, SoundCloud was, was the best, but when they jumped to like the streaming, like official music, you know, like mm. as an actual paid service. I've not really got much experience with it. Um, Spotify, on the other hand, like obviously I use, I use that the most to listen to music. So, I mean, it's changed the game, hasn't it? Streaming because we can, we can make a song right here, put it online and it'll be on Spotify within a day. Yeah, yeah. And like yeah. that freedom to just put music out whenever you want gives like the independent artist so much more of a like an opportunity to be heard yeah versus back in the day it'd be just trying to get signed to decent labels and so i think it's changed the game a lot for for good but also like i guess it saturates the market mm. and uh, makes it pretty difficult to also be heard i think it's, it's kind of like a catch-22 isn't yeah. it yeah i suppose it had its prime didn't it and i suppose when you released the likes of the black box remix that's when you probably could get hyped. Yeah. Oh, that just, yeah, it blew up. Yeah, well, the thing is, like, we used Hyped It as well. So I don't know if you know Hyped yeah, It, but yeah, yeah. you put your song on there and then when you put it on SoundCloud, I think the reach on SoundCloud at the time must have just been great. And I guess it was a big song anyway, so... Definitely, no, no, yeah. If to download it, to download it, they had to go on to Hyped It and get the download. Um, so, like, it was, yeah, I think as a platform for putting out unofficial remixes and bootlegs and even just recorded mixes amazing definitely, like, definitely. without that like i gained a lot of a lot of interest off the back of those remixes and 
you could, I couldn't have put them out officially. So like that, having SoundCloud as that sort of avenue is pretty invaluable, I think. Yeah, yeah, man. Yeah. And I think it's made, SoundCloud's obviously made a lot of big artists as well. Like the SoundCloud era is still yeah. pretty big anyway for rappers and things. So I think like being able to, yeah, it's definitely a game changer. Some like, huge successes from SoundCloud. So yeah. Yeah, and I still use it every day. Like, it's so handy for putting demos on and stuff. Yeah, no, so, definitely. It's good. Yeah. Big up, big Sound. up SoundCloud. <laughs> if SoundCloud's listening, big up. Yeah. <laughs> Pay me. <laughs> you have since decided to start a label, Luna Music, and you're putting music out on. Was yeah. What, yeah. what inspired that, or what was the reasoning behind that? Well, the, fir the first reason really is because it's so hard to get your music out to labels you want to be on. And it's also like yeah. the, the process of making the music and then trying to get it released can take years or a year or like yeah. I could finish a song now and it won't come out until next summer. And that's not mm -hmm. like when you're trying to build yourself up as an artist that, and that, that's just assuming you get signed. So yeah. basically the whole idea came from because I couldn't get record labels to even open my emails and listen to demos. And I thought yeah. I need to get music out. And I want to put it out and it's hard enough getting signed. And I thought, well, if I can create my own platform to release the stuff on, it's under my, like my decision, do you know, if I want to put someone out yeah, this week, yeah. it's going out. And that was one of the reasons I think just because I needed to get music out. And I feel like having music out helped then get the attention of labels if, if you do it right. For sure. And then the other reason really was because my music, there's not that many labels I could find that fitted my style of, of music and yeah, I, I really wanted a home where I could just if I want to put out a really deep melodic track I'm putting it out yeah, whether yeah. that fits another label or not it's not my problem it's my label like basically be able to have freedom to put your own music out in your own time and it doesn't have to fit a label specification or feedback and things like that so that was the, the two main things I think trying to find somewhere to release music um, yeah. and just having my own freedom and then Third, the third one was to just build the brand, you know, get my music out, get my friend's music out, and then, um, yeah, yeah, build a brand. That was the third one, I'd say, yeah. Having that control, though, is obviously huge. Yeah, of course. I mean, you, you always want to have some sort of control over your own yeah. musical output, I guess, but when it comes to labels and that, they want to, they want to give feedback, they want some changes, mm. it's too long, or the breakdown's too long, things like that. And if I feel like, no, nah, this is how I want this song to sound, this is my creative output, then it's going out that way. And I can do that on my label, whereas obviously yeah. you got to jump through hoops. And what does that label, consist? Obviously, I've never run a label, so the distribution of your tracks, which is yeah. essentially putting it on my own platforms such as Spotify. Yeah, so that I think that's pretty complicated. I don't even know how simple it'd be to just do on your own. So there's yeah. there's companies, distributor companies that will you can sign up with. And there's a few independent ones, um, like DistroKid and Ditto and things. But when it comes to like a label, I found one called Labelworks and it just they do everything for you. So I give them all the details of the label. I let them see the music that's going out. I give them all the artwork and and then they they liaise with the streaming platforms and the stores and they they do the, the back end. So I just give them the music. I give them the time, the date, whenever it's going out oh, and all the artwork. And then they get it on the store. Like they host, host it. Yeah, I think they just deal with all the distribution essentially, which saves the artist a load of hassle because it's complicated in itself. Um, 
then the, 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 the distributor like label works, they'll just take a, a fee or a percentage, um, which is fine for me because it, it saves me having to get all out individually to different platforms and that, you know. Yeah. Shout out label works. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, shout out label works, shout out Lunar Music. Yeah, I didn't even say that, did I? Yeah, the label's called Lunar Music. Um, yeah, I put out five releases so far and it's, it's going all right. So yeah. it's just good. Like, even if it doesn't amount to a big brand of a label, it's it's more about having my own my own home to put out songs of mine. And Definitely. Yeah, 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 yeah. You can point towards it. Anyone who needs to see what you, you know, what you're about, that's the first port of call, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And I'm sure you've got a few heaters for us and have been working tirelessly through the pandemic uh, just to release more music. I can see yeah. like the studio space you've got there is looking sick. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, we run, we run the this is like a DJ academy as well, and as as well as a studio where we make our own nice. music. So, um, yeah. I mean, in terms of lockdown, it's been a bit of a blessing in disguise for me because okay. I don't think I've ever made so much music in one in one consecutive time frame, yeah. and it's not been as good as it is now. Like without sounding cocky, within my own self, it's never been as good as I've made it now. No, and I think having that time during lockdown to just hammer in the studio time and and, and make music is, has been more beneficial than the last five years of producing, do you know? Yeah. I think, um, so yeah, I've got a lot of music ready, I think, but now I'm ready for things to open back up <laughs> so yeah, I can yeah. get back to it. Yeah, yeah. What, what's changed then? Is it the time available? mainly or i think so i think yeah having the, the freedom actually no i think the main thing is having the space like i would make music just on my laptop wherever i was but yeah when you're in a studio that's like fully kitted out and you've got a place where you can just come in and get to work and you're not distracted by whatever else is going on around you in the house or wherever you are that made a big difference having like a dedicated space for it and i think not djing and not ha not in Ibiza as well. Like, of course, Ibiza's yeah. there's a lot going on there, so you get distracted. There's yeah. not enough time to put into music, to gigs, to just exploring the island, doing all these things. So, like, having that whole year out, I think, uh, I think that the main contributing factor is just having more time and yeah. to really knuckle down. Do you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, come in on a daily basis, sit down, go right. I'm going to work on a tune, and there's no distractions. Yeah. Like you say, that is a big. A big deal, and not even distractions yeah. in terms of Ibiza, but of course, distractions in we can't actually leave the house, we can't actually leave the studio. Just anything, yeah, yeah. Well, this is the other thing when lockdown happened, like most producers and that were like, well, nothing's changed for me, yeah, like well, all they yeah. do is sit and make music. And then the only difference is maybe we don't get into the clubs and pubs or whatever, um, for like from a producer standpoint. So I think it was more, it wasn't so much, oh, now I have time to make music, yeah. it was more now is the time to make music as much as possible because I can't go anywhere. Like, I don't have gigs. I don't have any, no one breathing down my neck yeah. to, to get ready for my next set. Or, like, I have nothing. Do you know what I mean? The only really responsibility music-wise yeah. during this whole time has been on myself just to make music. And when you're, when you're gigging and you've got tours and whatever else, like, you've got to prepare your sets, you've got to find new music, you've got to go these, travel these places, and then you have to fit making music in amongst all that. So I think just having nothing else yeah. music-wise to focus on apart from just making it has been the best bit, I think, definitely, definitely. to get the results. Man. Yeah. And you have to treat it like a job a little bit. I agree. And you've been collaborating us with a lot of talent as well. Um, 
How's that been? Yeah, I mean, well, me and Ronnie Pasiti, we've been making music together from the, since the start, but we've got a few. So I think this year, like, we make music together every time I'm home from summers, but this time is just, I don't know. I th I think it's just something's just changed a little bit. Like the the quality output's better, and my my focus is better. Um, and together we've ju we just flow so well together. So we've made some really great tunes. Um, we've got a few coming out this year. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm working on some others with some other artists, but like I, there's nothing I can really uh, announce yet yeah. until it's like you know it's done. But yeah, I've worked with some great vocalists as well. Mike Black, he was on my last single. Um, I'm working with a few other singers at the moment who are mm. just absolutely amazing. So this is the year to get the music out, I think, now. And, uh, yeah, I'm excited for it, man. Is it all to that Luna Music brand? Like, you've got the label there to put your progressive, melodic tracks out there. Do you yeah. do you stick to that genre, more or less? Or? Nah, not really. I, I go through the motion of writing, like, house music and then some maybe more techie stuff and then... yeah. Back to progressive, like progressive and melodic is my thing. It's always been my, sure. my, my sound. But I think like, yeah, I've dabbled a lot, especially when I work with Ronnie because he's down the more house route. Sure. And when we work together, it's great because we can combine that sort of like emotional progressive sound with houseier drums or like more housey chords and things like that. And yeah, this, I mean, so the next single I've got coming out, that's, that's pretty housey. It still sounds like me, and and but it's, together with Ronnie, like we've come, we found a really nice sound together. So, nah, I think you're gonna hear some houseier stuff as well. Um, got quite a few breakbeat stuff, breakbeat tracks coming, and then obviously my like progressive house, like the main so, the main sound. Yeah, I'm looking forward to hearing all of that. Yeah, really looking forward to it. I think it's important just to make what you feel like making. Like a lot of the time, if I sit and say right, I'm just gonna do progressive, like it doesn't work. You kind of just need to yeah, let it flow. Yeah. If it turns out houseier, that's fine, yeah. Yeah, let the creative juices take over and just... Yeah, oh, 100%. Because if you... I've tried to... I, honestly, I've tried it over the years just to stick to something and it doesn't work. It, it sounds forced. It just doesn't sound... doesn't really sound like me. But when I just make it, it always still kind of comes back to sound like me. But it might just be house. It might yeah. be a bit more techie. Brings us back to that you having the label, though, doesn't it? Like, the freedom to do that, really. Yeah. Of course, and yeah. there's not really, it's not just going to be one sound, but I think with everything, it's always going to be at least melodic and it's going to be emotional to a point. Um, whether that's progressive or it's techno or it's house, it's fine. Like, yeah. it doesn't matter to me. The genres are not really that important. It's more the feel you get from the song. So that sounds quite corny, but it is. That's what it is like. No, no, that's definitely, that is, that's music, isn't it? Um, speaking of melodic emotions, I know that you were able to do, well, you did a boiler room a couple of years ago. Yeah. I'd obviously like to talk to you about that. Um, yeah. Talk us through that it. That was cool. <laughs> that was sick. <laughs> I think like that, I was I was living in the Maldives at the time uh, as a, doing a residency and boiler room were doing a tour around Scotland or the UK, I can't remember, but they were coming to Aberdeen and, I, and they were coming to Unit 51 and I'm, I'm one of the more frequent DJs at Unit 51 and I kind of, I was hoping I was going to get the call for it, but they had, Boiler Room had their own residence and things like that. Sure. Um, so I think it turned out that they were, they wanted one or two local heroes, as they called it, from each city to play, represent yeah. their town or things like that. Um, and yeah, I was absolutely delighted. I got asked. Um, and yeah, that was that, that was that. I think they, there was like three or four other people on the lineup. And I mean, everyone was great, but 
that's like a dream come true, isn't it? To get to play something sure. like Boiler Room, like such a well-known brand. Um, so yeah, I guess I was picked as the the local <laughs> the local hero. God, it sounds cringe saying that, but yeah, I was picked as the local guy to represent Aberdeen and represent the club. And um, yeah, there was two of us that did it. Adam Chapman as well. It was great. One of the best, probably the best, one of the best gigs I've ever done, I think. You played all of your own tunes, didn't you? All of your own production. Yeah, so the, I think the idea was, well, if you're going to do a set, what do you do? Do you go down there? Do you just try and play to the crowd and get, like, I've seen boiler rooms, boiler rooms where everyone plays absolute bangers, like classics, yeah. whatever, curveballs, and the place goes crazy. And then I've seen artists like Stefan Bodzin or someone, and they play all their own tracks, and it's more a personal touch, and both of them are pretty amazing. So I sat there, and I'm like, right, well, What's the yeah. what's the best thing here to do? Showcase your own music and your own sound properly for the first time ever, or go down the the, the well known track route and and try and please everyone. And I thought, well, nah, I can't throw, I can't throw this chance away. So, yeah, I just decided I'd play a whole set of my own music. Um, and then it was a case of God, I better get yeah. a whole set of my own music together because <laughs> I had so many different like unfinished tracks and that. So I just spent the next couple of months finishing off tracks and building a set and yeah it was pretty special man it's the first time i've ever done yeah. it and i think it's like the only time i've ever done it ever still to this day so yeah it was pretty it was a good achievement man it was nice no yeah no big props to you um and like you say it was one of the the biggest the biggest gigs yeah for you yeah and i think when the crowd reaction was like don't get me wrong some of the songs maybe didn't go off as well as i hoped but some of them were unbelievable so like that feeling knowing I made this, this is me. First time they're hearing this song and like that feeling is there's nothing that I don't think can replace it. Like and having my had a lot of my friends with me at the time as well, which was good. And just yeah, it was a, probably one of the more game changing moments for me. Yeah. Being able to do something like that. So yeah. Spurs you on, doesn't it, to, to make to make more. Yeah. When you know you're getting something you're getting it right. Yeah. I think the dream is for me anyway is to be able to play my own music to people who want to hear my own music and it, yeah. make them happy and bring joy to people. And I think I got a taste of that playing that set. Granted, not everyone at Boiler Room would, would have been there to see me or hear me, but they did and they heard it and the reactions were great. So that straight away, I'm like, this is it. This is what it's like. Like the feeling yeah, yeah. of being an artist and playing your music to people for the first time as well and seeing the, the reactions. So yeah, that was one of the most amazing experiences, I'd say. Yeah, no, big ups. Is there anything that you are itching to do other than DJing aside from music? You know, lockdown, we have actually been stuck in, well, Scotland more than England even. Um, it's a deep lockdown now. <laughs> it's getting tedious, but is there anything yeah. else you're itching to do yeah. that you can't wait to just get out? And... Uh, what do I miss the most? Honestly, I think I, it's just music, man. Music's pretty much yeah. all, all my life revolves around. So I think... Apart from obviously being able to see your friends and just be being like within six feet of each other and things like that, I think, but then most of that time, my, my time spent doing that is in clubs and environment and, you know, like nightlife environments anyway. So that's it. Yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah, what I'm missing is really just I got eating out as well. Restaurants, man. <laughs> We've not been able to do that so long. That's true, yeah. um, but no, pr primarily it's music, man. Just getting in, getting back yeah. to work and, hand in hand with socialising like we're lucky enough that what we do it does it does in art with what we do yeah as a career yeah of course um, just being able to get out man and not like 
not have to wear face masks all the time and going into shop like you can't go into yeah. shops or nothing at the moment and I think yeah eating out is a good one I miss eating out and and then essentially just clubs and pubs man and being back in that music environment gigs live yeah, gigs anything <laughs> yeah just getting out what about you what are you missing <laughs> what about me uh, what am I itching to do? Sorry, I just realised I just it's all for me. Is that <laughs> what? Uh, what are you missing? Um, yeah, sports. I'd probably say maybe I've, sports is pretty general, but just like you know, with other people, just doing some sort of like activity doesn't really matter what. Yeah, it is. even just being around other people. Like yeah. Even the connection you get just from like a kick around a footy or da, 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 da. yeah, even if it's not like the football, it's literally just the human interaction of just yeah, you know, doing stuff which probably been lost and yeah, um, we've obviously taken for granted. So it's going to be weird going back to it. Right? <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, I don't know whether it'll just it'll it's just been be that like long. That's all behind us. Yeah, like nothing ever happened. Yeah, I think it will. To be honest, I think after that first couple of minutes, the, like we're going to be so happy to be around other people and Definitely. like back in our own comfortable environment. But I yeah. think after a few minutes, it'll just be like it never left because when you're that immersed in in the music and and that sort of environment, mm. I think like it'll just take over. Like you're gonna forget about COVID. And Hopefully, we'll just never really take it for granted, though, and it's always in, in the back of our mind. Well, yeah, I'll never take it for granted now. <laughs> never. No. Um, if you could see someone tomorrow night, who would it be? It could be any, uh, any DJ, um, any gig. Yeah, it'd be, I'd, it'd be Eric Pritz, Eric Pritz all day long. Like, he's the, yeah. he's like my ultimate inspiration music-wise, and I think the last time I've seen him play, actually, any time I've seen him play, has probably been. I always say, oh, that was the best one. And yeah. I think, yeah, maybe one of his uh, epic concerts. I went to see Epic 5.0 in London and yeah. got to be one of the most mind-blowing things. Or even just even just any DJ yeah, <laughs> that's yeah, yeah, playing yeah. decent music. Yeah. I don't know. Like, I just want to get back in that environment, man. It's going to be so nice. I think I went to that epic one. Was that where Kolsch was supporting? Yeah, Christoph and Kolsch. Yeah, mate. That was mega. Christoph then Kolsch. Yeah. yeah, it was in... Steel Yard. Yeah, yeah, Steel Yard. Yeah, I did. Victoria Park or something. I think it was called. Yeah, that was, that was unreal. What, what that weekend? I came back from. I was living in, Abu Dhabi, I think, and I came back and I had a gig at We Are Festival. Sick. On the Friday, or was it the other way around? On the Friday, and then it was straight to Eric Prince the next day, and then it was straight to Ibiza the day after. So it was like one of the Jesus. best weekends, like to experience man and I'd never seen Eric Prince um, at that epic sort of concert when he puts on mm. the full production so yeah gotta be one of the best weekends man uh, we didn't even know each other then as well we would have both been there Steel, Steel Yard as well yeah that was next level like the, yeah, the whole the whole shebang it was just ridiculous yeah I think Prince, Prince would be the one I'd love to see but I mean do you know what anyone playing some decent it, feel good music it. and I'd be there like, it'd be great yeah, hopefully not long hopefully not long but obviously, we can we can catch up in that environment, man. Uh, Who would yours very be? Much like that. Ooh. You've got quite an eclectic taste as well. <laughs> it could be anyone. Oh, do you know who it could be? It could be bicep. Actually, I might change it yeah, to bicep. Bicep's a big one. I saw bicep in Park Life, and that was years, years ago. Oh, nice. That was silly. I think I think Dixon was before them Great. as well. I seen them in Printworks last year. No, two years ago. Seen like Sven Vaff was insane. <laughs> Stefan Bodson saw him in Edinburgh. That was ridiculous. I've seen Bodson a few times, man. It's great. So if I want my head to just get come off, then yeah, one of those two, which is probably <laughs> <he> did. <laughs> yeah. 
I wouldn't mind a lineup of just you know like all of them at once. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean that really that really should be what happens when they open yeah. up the clubs. Just put on the biggest events, but I think it'll take some time, won't it? Well, it will. It's it's the rebuild, isn't it? And it's seeing how how many things survive and hopefully for the best. And luckily, I think you know people probably won't be for the headliners now. You know, maybe they'll take a second look and yeah, and uh, give people a chance because they just you know they just want to get out. I hope so, man. I think I think that would be nice. Yeah, you would you would like to think so, but I, I don't know. Like it's people. I think initially everyone's just going to be dying to get out and party, so that's great. But it'd be good to keep that momentum going. Like you know what it's like. People, a lot of people want to see just the headliners or that if they don't know the support. But yeah, I think we'll see a bit of a change in that, especially in the first few months of reopening, which is great. Yeah. Hopefully, that'll yeah. stay that way. Definitely. Yeah, I'm very much looking forward to it, um, and. I'm looking forward to seeing what more comes of James ID, Luna Music, and all of your future releases. Yeah, man, thanks. Cheers for coming on. Nah, thanks for having me, man. It's, it's been good to catch up. Um, hopefully I'll see you soon, man. I hope so too, man. But yeah, thanks for having me, man. I appreciate it. Cheers. Cheers, man. Peace, bro. Peace, peace, peace. Thanks once again, guys, for joining us for another episode. That was a really nice chat, and I hope you guys enjoyed it as much as we enjoyed recording it. To find all things James ID, go to at James ID Music. And here's one from his label, Luna Music. This one's called Don't Wanna Know. Take a load of it into your system. We'll be back soon with more guests. Peace. Peace.